Welcome to another presentation of From Under the Rubble. This is an ongoing series produced by the Fleming Foundation and available, of course, free to uh, Charter and Gold subscribers. If you're interested in getting a subscription, of course, just go to uh, our the webpage and you can find out how to up your level of subscription so that you can receive these things for free. Hmm. Someday, I'm hoping, uh, by the way, that we might be able to actually sell individual uh, shows because some people don't want to subscribe sure. to get all of them, but we could for a modest amount of money. Uh, we're not inter we're 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 high minded here. We're not really interested in money. There you go. Joining me uh, again uh, for the second part of our program on build the wall is uh, Rex Scott, Radical Rex. Hey, welcome again. Hey, we're back at it, and this issue was so huge especially with what uh, Pope Francis had said and uh, the idea of immigration and building that wall and how nece uh, the necessity of it or maybe just the technology, buying technology. So it, our borders could be controlled. That's an issue that is highly debated. So, I mean, if we're looking at this issue and we're looking at our borders and we're looking at what the potential is for immigration and we're looking at drugs and violence and so forth and taking jobs, um, is there a bigger side to the issue of uh, the protection of our borders and immigration. Yeah, we have, uh, we've talked about some of the practical things, and those practical things are not inconsiderable. Mm. The fact that it's keeping wages low for the American working classes, okay. it's, it's, it's an incredible burden on the taxpayer to pay for the, all of the schooling Absolutely. of uh, the children of illegal aliens, health care, right. which they're, they're not supposed to be eligible for, but in fact they do absorb by, by going to the emergency rooms. Absolutely. And of course, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. the incredible burden on our prison system, right. because they're not in prison for uh, for just being illegal aliens, they're, they're in prison for committing felonies. Right, the and violence so, that is caused yeah. by the people that come across that are, are illegal and the gangs involved, yeah. this M13 or whatever, um, that is Salvadorans a, that, uh, that Obama knowingly let into the mm. country uh, and gave, gave exemptions to. It makes our, our world dangerous, our, uh, yeah. the America, our America dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. I, years ago, when I first started getting into trouble on the uh, immigration issue, I wrote a piece which was called A Not-So-Wonderful Life. Mm. That is, you know, you playing off the movie, It's a Wonderful Life, where, you know, the, uh, you know, Jimmy Stewart is allowed a glance at the future if he hadn't existed. Oh, yeah, sure. And his, <clears throat> One of my favorites. And his, uh, his hometown is now, it's, 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 a, it's a place of vice and crime, and, right. and, and people aren't kind to each other. Well, sort of what we're... What, what the Democrats and Republicans together have managed to co contrive to do is precisely to create this, this not-so-wonderful life for our children and grandchildren. So there are pr plenty of practical reasons, but when, when, for, when the Pope weighs in and equates uh, abortion, for right. example, right. Uh, you can't saying that Donald Trump can't really be pro-life if, uh, if he wants to repeal the DREAM Act and right. not continue to allow illegal aliens to live here. This is this is this shows a kind of degraded moral imagination hmm. on the part of him and other Marxists who are making this argument. Marxist? Uh, Who's a Marxist? Oh, the Pope certainly. Okay. 
I mean, I'm not saying he's a member of the Communist Party. I'm right. simply saying that his basic moral vision of the world is much closer to the vision of Marx and Engels than it is to Jesus Christ, St. Paul, and St. Okay. Augustine. Well, I didn't think that you would ever get controversial, so I, I figure it was just a misunderstanding. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, we have, um, we talked a little bit about why just because, mm. just because the dreamers didn't individually choose to come here, but they're here as a result right. of their It's not my parents, fault. I got dragged right? here. That uh, this, this doesn't mean that they have a right to stay. Now, I'm in favor, actually, of treating them with kindness and charity and not call. deporting them unless, uh, 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 you know, unless they're in trouble. I do think that they shouldn't be allowed <clears throat> to uh, take, take, take resources away from people who are here legally. So okay. There's also, because they, they can benefit from affirmative action. They can benefit from free education, free health care, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But, but... I, I, I don't think it's necessary <clears throat> across the board to deport them, but that's uh, really a side issue because neither, the, neither side in this issue, especially those who believe in open borders, they, they, they're just looking for an emotional issue. In fact, the very word dreamer. Dreamer, yeah. They're, that's they're looking emotional. for an emotional issue that they can play to the sentiments of the American people. Well, the the music swells, the violence yeah. is terrible, and you see the bus in some dusty Mexican road, and all the kids are getting out with their knapsacks and crying and stuff, and they're just and the bus pulls away, and there they are standing with their hands out, tears in their eyes. The dreamers, what did you do? That's you know, uh, kind of what uh, it feels I, like. I think it was Oscar Wilde who said that anybody, nobody could read the end, uh, the the death of Little Nell in Charles Dickens. With in, and of course you expect you to say without bursting into tears, so without bursting out laughing, you know. Well, I'm afraid that's my response to all this. But I I, I have argued. I see what for they're years. doing though. I see what they're doing. You we know, should dreamers, we should take know. the dollar bill and remove the American motto in God We Trust mm. and put on it the the immortal words of one of the greatest Americans. Mm. Uh, P.T. Barnum. There's a sucker born every minute. Oh, boy. That should be the American motto. Sucker born every minute. All right. So, so the, the, uh, <laughs> the issue is, the issue for the Pope, okay. the issue for the Democratic Party, because yeah. the Democratic Party has per perfectly good reason for importing illegal aliens and preserving them because they all turn into voters for the Democratic Party. They okay. also consume large amounts of of government services, which mean, which grows the government, which puts more money in the I hands see. of people like Harry Reid and Nancy Pelosi oh, and Barack okay. Obama and Hillary sure. Clinton. So they have perfectly pragmatic reasons, and, and one must never uh, underestimate their degree of, of cynicism and corruption. On the other hand, okay. being people who aren't terribly smart and very uneducated, hmm. you must remember that people like Hillary Clinton have absorbed this Marxist ideology in every college course they ever took, hmm. so that even though they're cynical and corrupt, they really do believe it. They're sort of like uh, bad Christians, mm. you know. They know they they know there's a certain way of life, but yet they still abuse their employees. They still uh, they still hit on their secretary and cheat on their taxes because mm. they know it's wrong. But but you know but but they 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 know right from wrong. But they, uh, according to to what they've been taught but they just can't live up to it. So, so the crooked Democrats, they, they know that Marx and Engels are right. 
you know, and but they're not going to share their wealth with anybody. Right. So, now, that Marxist attitude, does that also incorporate, like, globalism and no borders? Is there, uh, how does that work? Well, you know, in the Communist Manifesto, near the end, they talk about that, that, that under a communist world order, the differences between developed rich nations and underdeveloped poor nations, this will disappear. You know, and... And, you know, they're on the table for about 30 years. There's been an idea of a, of a global taxation. And this global tax, maybe it's just 1% of, of, of your wealth, would go automatically to the U.N., okay. which would then take 95 cents on the dollar for U.N., because the U.N. Is, is even more corrupt than the okay. U.S. government, you know. I mean, so first our government collectors would get it, and they would so, take yeah, half, right. and then and then the UN would take. But so very very little wealth money raised for plausible purposes of helping the poor. Right. Only a tiny amount of that ever actually gets to the poor. Administration but, yeah. costs. But yeah. but in principle, in principle, on the table, and and very much being pushed by the left for decades is the idea of glo global taxation to equalize the, the, uh, the wealth of rich and poor, the individuals who live in rich and poor nations. Now, one of the things they never think about, this was a, a, a very wacky friend of mine named Bob Whitaker once pointed out, he said, you know, people act as if somehow we're all the same, we all should have the same opportunities for wealth and happiness. Okay. You know, the, the, the reason why Americans... That seems reasonable. Well, you know. The reason Americans have a certain degree of prosperity and civil order, they have the culture, they, the, everything was given to us by our ancestors okay. who made sacrifices. You know, your parents who make sacrifice, instead of just blowing all their money on booze and cigarettes, they, they, they save the money, they send their kids to college. Right. They, 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 these habits of thrift and self-discipline, integrity in the, in the marketplace, all of this was what helped and courage, but raw physical courage to come out and conquer the frontier, fight the Indians, etc. We're living off that. Right now, if you if you if your ancestors were a bunch of lazy slobs uh -oh. whose whose motto was manana, <laughs> I'll get to it manana. Yeah, like, then you get then you you you're you're inheriting you're inheriting what they saved up for you, which in in the case of so much of Latin America is pretty much nothing. Bupkis. Yeah. And now it sounds cruel, but the fact is that that we we are the result of generations. We we. we you know, we don't just make ourselves, and so we inherit liabilities like mm. uh, certain diseases, or we may not everybody. You know, we we can we can end up being smart or stupid or okay. whatever as a result of this inheritance. So the social systems, the governments we live under, the civil order, the economy, right. all of this is an inheritance, and you you may wish to share of your surplus, yeah. but the idea I once heard Pope John Paul II gave a gave a sermon in which he said. We had to share not just of our abundance, but of our substance. Right. Well, I figured it out. Let's say, okay, I've got, let's it, just make it. If it don't hurt, it ain't given. In essence. Yeah. Let me just say, let's say I make a hundred thousand dollars a year. All right. And let's say, uh, or I, I've got a, I've got this X amount of money. Let's say, let's say I've got a million dollars put away. That's better. This year, I have to give ten percent. Okay, I give ten percent. And the next year, 10%. How many years before there's nothing left? Uh, Roughly 10. 
Right. Although it's going to be a diminishing <laughs> per percentage, right. so it probably may take... The point is, I'll get to the point where I have to apply for government aid to live. Oh, boy. So the idea that, what, you have to... I've got to carve the flesh out of my body, <laughs> not to give to my own children, like the, the, the proverbial, what is it, the pelican, she plucks... The, the, the mythical pelican plucks her at her breasts and feeds the blood and flesh to her babies. Uh, you know, no, no, I'm, I'm feeding it to somebody else's babies. Ah, that hurts even worse. So, uh, so anyway, so the, there, we, we, have to, we have to look at reality and say the reason there, there's a reason why some people live in relative comfort Okay. And, and other people live in discomfort and violence, and it's the difference in the peoples. And and you can't just pretend that somehow what 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 the school teachers like to tell us is it's because uh, Americans and Europeans are all exploiters and conquerors and abusers, and that's why we're rich and other people aren't. I yeah. see. I mean, the idea of equality is actually pretty a, a pretty good thing um, that some people you know who don't aren't able, that they're helped, and maybe by helping them, they uh, are able to do better and be better, and I think that's, that's a good thing. If it, if, it, if, it, if it ever worked, and it doesn't, it might be a good thing. Uh, we'll have to do a show on equality, equality. Because, it's, because when people say, I want, e I want equal rights to what you've got, right. well, what if, what if I worked hard to have my, the, the rights I've got? Sure. Because you know, I got up every day. Well, you, you know, it's the story of the, uh, the, the, the grasshopper and the ant. Right. You know, that you, I can imagine when the, when the winter comes and the grasshopper's freezing and the ant is, is living in warmth and comfort and he's eating his food, the grasshopper knocks on the door and says, I want my rights. Right. Give me my rights. <laughs> I, have, I have a right to half of what you've got. You're an exploiter. Right. So that doesn't make it right at all. But I mean, when you talk about the idea of globalization, equality, and yeah. uh, a certain uh, portion of the populace preaching this uh, while they have millions of dollars in the bank yeah. and are not willing to give, finding ways not yeah. to give it up. I mean, it's almost like it's building up to something. I mean, there's got to be a uh, a deeper meaning to all of this, yeah, yeah. Um, this globalization and why it doesn't work, or maybe it would work. I don't know. What, what do you yeah. think? Well, you know, interestingly, the the Old Testament mm. has a fable, a myth, a story, a legend. But a myth is to me is not a story that's untrue. Okay. It's a story that has so much meaning and so much relevance for for our everyday life that it doesn't matter whether the whether it literally happened or not. Okay. The, 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 it's divinely revealed because it's true. And one story is the Tower of Babel. Remember the the men. This is in, in Genesis. Very arrogant, proud men decide right. to build this tower. And uh, they look out, you know, from God looks out from the, from uh, heaven, and right. says, you know, what are they trying to do? Right. They got thousands yeah. and thousands of people working on this massive, huge tower, yeah. reaching up towards heaven. Imagine it, in fact, to be a Babylonian ziggurat, something like that. A ziggurat. Well, you know those funny, twisted towers they built in the Middle East. They, the Sumerians started them. They're 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 not quite a pyramid, but they're very they're very tall. They were building these. Things. Well, I don't smoke ziggurats, so it doesn't bother me at all. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah probably <laughs> just did zigzags. <laughs> but um, so the, it is decided that they want. Well, they're, they're trying to make themselves God. Oh, you know, like in in the it's it's a similar story to the Greek fairy tale 
of that the giants decided to reach Mount Olympus by putting one mountain on top of another, okay. Asa upon Pelion, and then climb up, and the and the gods had to strike them. You know, had to fight a war with them. So the idea is that mankind. Mm-hmm. He's always remembering the what was whispered to Eve in the Garden of Eden. Right. If you eat of the apple, said, "Thou shalt be as you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil." Mm. And so, the the as a result, they're punished because all of a sudden they're speaking all sorts of different languages. So this is like a metaphor for yeah. like ambition to be God. That's right. To That's be divine. Right. Because okay. we're gonna rise, we're gonna. So the un, the unification of mankind by destroying city states, countries, mm-hmm. provinces will all be just one vast, undifferentiated mass of people with equal rights. <clears throat> Living this, on planet Earth. Yeah, Living on, that's right. Yeah, right. I I remember once I was with we're uh, Earthlings. I was at a uh, a conference with a uh, of philosophers. How I sneaked in is a, is a funny story, but <laughs> the the author of the book the conference was about said I'd given the only intelligent review to his last book, so he mm-hmm. invited me to this conference, and I met this guy from a uh, Yale, Bruce Ackerman, who is a very famous liberal philosopher. Okay, and uh, so. What he so he said we were we were drinking and arguing and he said why can't you understand it we we all live on spaceship Earth we're all in this together mm-hmm. and I said and I'm getting onto the elevator and you know he his floor he's getting he's got off and I'm on inside it's like a scene from a movie and I said well Bruce the difference between us is that uh, on my spaceship there are compartments and levels they're called nations religions communities families i said on your spaceship bruce they all fly steerage <laughs> click the door the door the door slammed okay. shut and that so i the won end. i won the argument yeah, right <clears throat> but uh, it's a good argument to remember if you're ever doing a lot of talk radio because watching the clock is how you control who wins the argument. Oh, yeah. You've always got to watch the All clock. right. Anyway, well, I've got a clock here. So, so uh, but but this business that of uh, spaceship, <clears throat> spaceship Earth, or yeah. we're all on an island, no man, we're all on an island together, we're all sharing. Globalists it, abolish know. nations, the world are going to be ruled by uh, who? Yeah, one well, the less than one percent of the population will control it. The 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 larger the unit of government, the, that is, the more people who are covered by a uh, by a government entity, the fewer people hold power. If you live in a village of a couple of hundred people, right, you know, you're gonna the power will be held by maybe a third of them. Hmm. Whereas in Rockford, power is held by maybe five uh, percent, and if you look at if you look at power over the federal government, it's not even one percent. And if you want a global government, it's going to be an infinitesimally small number of people who can make things happen for them. I used, I used to have a friend who was a board member. He was worth a couple of hundred million dollars. And he was telling me about how his car got towed at an airport because of a complication over a parking ticket. Sure. And so he said, you know, a little guy like me can't get can't get justice in this world. Mm. A little guy? I mean, literally, he was worth hundreds of millions of dollars. <laughs> but in the state of Texas, he's a little guy. Oh. And so, I mean, where, where, where does that leave us? Right, uh, completely we, we're, out. We're not, we're, we're not even alive. Zero opinion, yeah. zero voice. So... Now multiply Texas to the United States and multiply the United States to the world. This is the uh, 
uh, global government that they're pursuing. I, I always like to quote the great remark of Milo Angelis. It was a, a, a communist in Yugoslavia, one of the one of the top two or three leaders after World War II, and he began to wise up about communism. And he said, "Communists eliminate all forms of property except their own. In other words, the party wow. owns everything." And there, since there are only a couple of thousand party members, and among them only a small minority mean anything, right. it means that communism, Marxism, is a system by which the tiniest number of people control the most goods and services. The and pigs are more equal. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Exactly. And it always it always works out that way. But there was a very fine guy named W. H. Malik. He wrote a, a funny novel called The New Republic mm -hmm. in the nineteenth century. But um, he wrote a book on socialism uh, right, right before World War I mm -hmm. in which he said, I know what the socialists say. It's all going to be one happy party. Yeah. We're all going to be equal. Sure. He said, look at Mr. Marx and his party, the Internationale. Look at how he runs the party. You disagree with him, you're out. And he said, imagine if they had government. He said, they'd just kill all their op. This is before the Russian Revolution. But he just extrapolated rationally because he said, don't listen to what they say, look at what they do. You know, I have to ask, um, we, we come and we, all the time here, we're talking about the problem. We yeah. really, really identify the problem. We scrutinize the problem. We see the problem. Um, uh, I, I'm gonna, it's kind of a curveball. We might have to leave it to another show. We've got a few minutes left. Um, what, is a, what would be a better way? Yeah. I have to ask the question. Yeah. Well, look. The world, the world scraped along for good and ill in various ways for a long time. Mm -hmm. You know, there have been very many periods of history where people were very, we're not, this, is, this is not a very creative period. We build ugly buildings, we eat bad food, <laughs> you know, we don't have stable marriages, we don't, you know, our McDonald's children are McDonald's has going, three new sandwiches, though, that's pretty creative. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly <laughs> it. So, there have been periods where the, 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 this wasn't true. We have, we have, we created a great technology for comfort and hedonism, right. but everything else we sort of fall short and, and we have massive unhappiness. Right. That's why, why do people take, people take drugs because they're happy? Obviously there's a void there in their lives. Right. They're filling up with smoke or amphetamines or whatever else. Okay. So clearly what we have to do is we have to look at periods where people govern themselves with some stability and where people had some opportunity of, of, of leading a good life. Okay. I would say in, in the American experience, down to the end of the 19th century, it was a pretty good world, and even, it was much better even in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. We had, we produced people who could weather the World War One and the and the uh, uh, the Depression, right. and then people who lived through World War Two, they they went off to war. These are my I don't I don't think it's the greatest generation. I think that was a stupid phrase mm. for Tom Brokaw to have used in his really dumb book. But but <laughs> but the fact is that those those people are better than my generation, and my generation is better than your generation, ah. and your generation it'll be is better than your Much children's generation. Better, yeah, yeah, I could see that already. Hmm. <laughs> So in that time period, there was the there greatest was, thing about that time period as the, far as governmental is okay. autonomy. I can do more what I want. One, I can be more what I want. There's what? a there's a there's a there's a there's a Catholic term which is called subsidiarity, which is very close to the 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 principle on which the the Constitution of the United States was formed. Okay. According to the principle of subsidiarity, it is it is always wrong 
for a higher level of authority to take over responsibilities and duties if the lower level can still function. Now sometimes that can't function, but basically to put the maximum weight in human life, moral responsibility, economic responsibility, sure. all the on the on the lower levels of society so the the county should not take away from the family the responsibility to rear the children the state should not take away from the city and the county the 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 responsibility for roads and sewers streets and schools the government of the united states should not be taking away from the states all the things that appertain to the states mm -hmm. and the government of the world at which is now sort of through international agencies we have a world government not yeah. not just the united nations and but there are all sorts of economic entities and planning boards which have an enormous amount of power. So that they they should not be absorbing the power from the from uh, the highest level of government that existed, say, in 1940, which is the nation states. Uh, nation states are much too powerful, much too big, much too bloated. But but to take away their power and not to give it back to their lower levels of government and authority, but to give it to a higher level means less and less ability of ordinary people to manage their own lives. Hmm. So the idea that uh, we are actually giving away more and more, uh, opening our borders, widening, considering everyone else, what should we do here? What should we? They did a huge telethon. They did forty-four million, which is fabulous yeah. for uh, the hurricane, uh, the people that suffered through that. Um, I get that, but the, it seems like the more we open it up to everything, the more we get into globalization, the more we have to get right back to the fact that it would be best if there were fences, if there were yeah. boundaries, if there were doors that open up to the home. I, um, fences make good neighbors, in the immortal words of Robert Frost. There you go. So we do ourselves a service by, uh, first of all, uh, personal responsibility is what it all narrows down to, and taking care of what I need to take care of, and also then managing what we can manage, you know, our families, our friends, you know, and, and keeping that manageable. Yeah. So the idea that um, we not necessarily owe people that have come across the border and are needy, the dreamers, and anybody else for that matter, um, gets us into that personal responsibility. You know, the, recently the Pope was talking about Good Samaritan. I think that was his yearly statement or something along those lines. I don't really uh, understand that. That, that we should act as Good Samaritans. We should, we should um, take care of what we can take care of. And we mentioned that earlier, and Mother Teresa said, one cannot love unless it is at their own expense. My point would be, this seems to be relevant. I mean, in the final analysis, we're just trying to take care of ourselves and take care of the people around us. What is our responsibility, and how does that affect us when we talk about our borders? Yeah. You know, um, I've something I quoted often from Mother Teresa, and I'll quote it again. Uh, some woman wrote her from uh, Milwaukee mm. saying, I want to come to Calcutta to help the poor in Calcutta. And Mother Teresa wrote back and said, are there no poor people in Milwaukee? Mm. She said, fine. Find the poor in Milwaukee and help them. In other words, live where you are. Look, right. she has taken vows of chastity and poverty sure. that she's not leading an or and, and by the way, so in theory has the Pope, uh, taken vows uh, which mean they lead a life, a consecrated life, a life set apart. Okay. The rest of us have other duties. Right. So the clergy, for example, uh, and the and uh, the uh, people uh, and nuns. 
they don't have an obligation to take care of a family. Okay. We have, but the, we have taken the most people, like ninety nine point nine percent of the of the population of the world, leads a, a, a life more consistent with uh, the, our the natural species, and therefore okay. we have natural duties. Right. But it is interesting that when Mother Teresa confronted with this question, she told the woman to do her natural duty, which is to take care of people at her own home. Stay hometown. home and take care of That's the people right. around That's you. Right. That's where, you know... You got to grow where you're planted. Yeah. You dance with the one that brung you, kind of thing. Yeah. But that's and then, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. And then on the on the case of the Good Samaritan, this is this is probably the one part of the the only part of the Bible that Marxists ever seem to know. Oh. But except they don't know it, they get it wrong every time. Okay. And I don't want to carry this out too far. But I right. think maybe I've talked about it too much in the past. But really, the the the, the passage. It's a very beautiful passage. An expert in the law, okay, but which does not mean he's a lawyer. Some translators say lawyer. No, he's an expert in Old Testament law. He's an ex expert of the Torah. Okay, so he's trying to trap Jesus. Right. He's in fact trying to find out who and what he is. In fact, the word is tempting him, which mm. is again a word often misun completely misunderstood <laughs> in reading uh, English translations of the Bible. So trying to figure out who Jesus is and where he is and what he is. He says, okay. "Well, uh, what's uh, what's the great? What is the commandment? What, what should what should we do?" And he says, "Well, which the which? Well, for, he says, well, how do we lead a good life?" And he says, "Well, follow the commandments." Yes, okay. but wait, what's the best of? What's the best one? Well, the first one is to you know love God with all thy soul. Absolutely, and all thy, good call. That is the first and greatest command. The second, like unto it, is to love thy neighbor as thyself. Love your neighbor as yourself. So okay. uh, the very the, the, this brilliant rabbi says, "Well, who's my neighbor?" Ah. Now this is a profound question, and then Jesus tells the story of the good command of uh, the good Samaritan. Good Samaritan. Who is so my the, neighbor? The problem with this is that there, in English translations of the Bible, there are two words in both in Hebrew and then translated into Greek and right. translated into Latin, consistently used in the Old and New Testament. One of them means somebody who lives next door to you. Sure. And so these are like the woman who finds the lost coin and she goes and shows it to her neighbors. Yeah. That is not the word used in this passage. Okay. The word in this passage is hard to translate. It's it's closer to the, a Greek word that means friend. It means somebody you have a moral obligation to. Okay. So it means members of your immediate family right. or distant kinfolk, people who live in the same village with you, and ultimately it means fellow Jew. Because okay. Jewish ethic outside of the prophets, everyday Jewish ethic means you have you are morally obliged to help people within the Jewish community, but okay. not not so much people outside that community. Okay. So when the when the expert of the law says, "Who is my neighbor?" he's really asking, "To whom do I have a moral obligation?" Right. So Jesus tells him a story: a man a man is set upon by thieves. Sure. He's left wounded and maybe dying there. Right. And the priest walks by, doesn't touch him because, well, it could be a you know, religious, uh, you know, a reason. The Levite comes by, same thing. And then some a Samaritan, who is not really a Jew, although the Samaritans think that they are just that okay. they're that they're keeping the old Jewish law, but there's they're they're hated by the Jews. They're despised. They they're despised. Least. Samaritan comes, takes takes care of them, takes them to an inn. Takes so the worst them. of humanity is yeah. now helping humanity yeah. in essence. Yeah. So who is the neighbor? The man, the the the, the priest who ignored the, the, the his co-religionist who ignored him, or the Samaritan who took care of him? Well, it's not who is. It's not your neighbor. It's 
who is the man who shows what we will then learn to say Christian love, Christian charity? Okay. And the fact is that it's the, it's the Samaritan. Now, the Samaritan doesn't take him home and say, look, take my house. Right. Take half my property. Oh, Let boy. me pay for your schooling. Bring your whole family. Right. Nor does the Samaritan go around the world on a mission to find poor people that he can move into his house with. Right. He was just on his way to doing something, right. and the but opportunity came up. Confronted with poverty. Yes. I think I forget it. Maybe Mother Teresa again, who says that to you, you find you find Christ in the face of the poor. Uh. Okay, so when confronted by people who are suffering and need help, you give them help. This doesn't mean that you, as a as a member of the Democratic Party or the Republican Party, then you make laws to steal half of people's income You're in right. order to spend on bureaucrats. Right. You know. Yeah, we're back to that. Yeah. So the whole point of the Good Samaritan story has nothing to do with global philanthropy. It has nothing to do mm. with uh, immigration. What okay. it has to do with is that Jesus was showing the moral bankruptcy of the Jewish religious establishment. That they were they believed in ritual, but that the heart was gone. They had no compassion for their suffering people that they met in everyday life. And by the way, the story of Lazarus and Dives, there's story after story after right. story that shows you essentially that old covenant leads only to death, and the new covenant gives you freedom and everlasting life. So I strongly resented when leftists instrumentalize these texts and make take them out of context, make them mean something totally different. Partly it's because they haven't bothered to study Greek, Latin, or Hebrew. Right. Well, um, I think then the usage of this idea that the, the Pope had said that um, is somewhat irrelevant to the yeah. entire conversation. Um, on the basis of uh, what he would do or not do with DACA. So I think we've uh, explored uh, that wall and uh, a, a lot of dovetailed issues, um, immigration and um, what other people think about it and how it works and globalization. Um, I can hardly wait for our next discussion. Yeah. I just say one thing to, uh, you know, there's a great, there's the Leonine Wall that goes around the Vatican. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I could, echoing Ronald... Ronald Reagan, I'd like to say, tear down that wall, Mr. Bergoglio. 